Church. I am Joe Newfield. I brought as many books as I possibly could. Uh, and uh, I have my electronic uh, device here. And uh, so if this fails, I'm going to that. So uh, I have my backup. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it is a great honor to come here. Uh, first to uh, pray uh, for Chris. And uh, that, as an elder, uh, is very special. It's a biblical uh, calling that the Bible calls. And so I know my role. And so uh, that's very, very personal, very, um, you know, you, to be used by God is very humbling. So, uh, um, so after will be very special. Uh, but I'm, I'm here. Uh, sorry my wife is not here. It's normally Joe and Sandy Newfield, okay? And most of you probably know Sandy Newfield way more than me, or you know my kids, you know, Christopher or Amanda, who's now married to Dustin. And they were in Bakersfield. They did the one-year challenge, and then now they're in uh, San Diego. Uh, and uh, they're married and been married about four years. And... Um, so, uh, Sandy and I have been, uh, I've been a disciple now, uh, we just figured it out, 27 years. I've been an elder now for 14 years, and when you introduce me as an elder, I usually say I'm a young elder because Dave Moss is a little bit older than me in years, <laughs> and he's in our, and so that's my humor, you know, an oxymoron, uh, an, a, a young elder, right? So, um, anyways, it is an honor. Um, I, I really... Um, I can't express how much of an honor it is to be here. And I, I saw your marriage retreat, you know, and we used to come out here for all the marriage retreats. Uh, Sandy and I, we were at every single marriage retreat. They would always be out here in Palm Springs and the area in the desert, and we loved it. And, uh, and it, it, it enriched our marriages. And I would not be, if I was not a disciple, I would not be married. I probably wouldn't be uh, alive if I wasn't a disciple. And so the marriage retreats are very, very special. The one year we didn't have it, I had a major attitude, and the staff heard it from me. And so they said, okay, Joe and Sandy, you, we want you to teach a marriage class. So um, as I was traveling, and I am uh, in the transportation business. I've been in the transportation business for 30 years. And so, yeah, I was down in San Diego this morning. So at 4.30 this morning, I get up. I go down to San Diego and uh, do my meeting there and then come over here and Coming here, uh, it was raining. The stoplight stopped. I mean, it was literally backed up. It took me 30 minutes to get to the freeway. And then GPS took me over the mountain. So I was on the 271 and the 74, something like that. And coming over the mountain, it was beautiful. It, I used to fly uh, uh, private planes. And so being up at whatever altitude coming over was just beautiful. Uh, I came through Paradise Valley. So... Uh, you know, I thought paradise was going to be in heaven, but I just went through Paradise Valley. And if anyone asks, are there dinosaurs? I'm going to say, yeah, there's dinosaurs on that road. And so they're not moving, but, you know, there are dinosaurs on that road. If you've ever been on that road, you'll see some dinosaurs. But, um, oh, and then this morning, my phone went blank. And coming over the mountain, I was in GPS purgatory. There was, I was off the grid, <laughs> off the grid. And so Satan is saying, don't come. You can't make it. And so I followed God's direction to get me here. So, uh, you know, if you've ever not been on the grid, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. So anyways, um, so, so the staff, when we didn't do our marriage retreat, they said, well, then you teach a class. And, uh, and so I was inspired, this book here, Love and Respect. I was in Sacramento. Uh, I wanted to get Sandy a Valentine present. And it was for both of us, because when I opened it, number one, it's big print, and I could see it. And then when I started reading it, it made sense. 
And it talks about the husband to love their wives. And that's what the Bible says. And the Bible says for our wives to, to respect their husband. And so it was perfect. I was reading this and reading it. I'm like, man, I, I want to invest in our own marriage. And so they asked me and Sandy and I to do it. So I wrote out some things, and then Sandy made it legible. And so, so five weeks we were teaching this class. And so people would come, and they say, oh, yeah, I have that book. Oh, yeah, I have that book. I go, have you read it? Well, no, not for a long time. I go, knock the dust off and start reading it, you know. And they go, oh, yeah, about the second or third week, they said, oh, by the way, there's a workbook. We created our own workbook. Well, Sandy did, you know. So there's a workbook that goes along with it. And so, you know, it was kind of amazing how it all worked together. But we recommend that when we do marriage uh, counseling. And it's just a, it's, there are a lot of good books out there. Uh, obviously, the Bible is the best, but this is very, very helpful. And whether you've been married, like Sandy and I have been married for 37 years, we've known each other for 45 years, and, and then I always say that I, I met her when I was two years old, but that's not the truth. So uh, <laughs> uh, I was actually 16, uh, 16, I was 15 and she was 16. So if you ever come to my house, I'll show you a picture of the 70s show, uh, and that's Sandy and I, okay? So... <laughs> So, uh, but it is an honor to be here, and I, I am just grateful. And so, I really just want to share some things here um, that that Sandy and I usually do together. And so, um, not having her is really going on the Holy Spirit, and that's what she just texted me. She's in Atlanta taking care of her mom and dad, which is also biblical. He's in a wheelchair. Uh, the sister and brother-in-law out of town for two weeks, so she's there helping them out. And then I'm going to fly back there in a couple of days and then help her help them. So, um, you know, and spend as much time as we can in Atlanta. So, um, like I said, we normally do this together, but uh, I think I have something for everybody here. I'm personally going through two challenges right now that are, that, that, that this helps, that this helps us. So not only am I preaching and teaching, but I'm teaching and preaching to me too. Okay. And so I'm start with a quick prayer and then we'll, we'll dive into this. Father God, you're an incredible God. And we want to say thank you for this opportunity to look at your scriptures, to be uh, here as a disciple and to be together with the body. It's incredible to be out here in Desert Cities and just brings back so many good memories. So I pray that, God, that you will speak through me and, uh, God, uh, just help the, uh, the scriptures come alive. Uh, I pray, Father, for everybody being impacted by your word, uh, not my words, but your words. I pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. What I normally say, too, is, I would travel whatever distance and, and speak before somebody that invites me to speak. If I could just help one person, it's worth it. Because when you see somebody change, repent, get restored, stop sinning, get baptized, those are miracles. Those are modern-day miracles. And we got to be wowed by that. Because last week, Sandy started crying when a couple who were going through a very difficult time, worst time of their life, we weren't sure what he was going to, how the husband was going to respond. And he had a godly response. And we have tissue for everybody. And Sandy was asking for tissue for herself. And I'm like, so I gave her tissue. She was impacted by his response to a bad situation because it was a godly response. That's a miracle. And we witnessed it. And we got to be ready for that. 
And so here, I'm going to do the best I can. And I ask you to do your part. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm, you, you're getting the, the lesser half of the two of us, okay? She's a much better speaker. She does grief recovery. She's a grief recovery counselor, and she's very good at that. I've gone through grief recovery myself. Many years ago, my mom died of uh, Alzheimer's, and my dad died of leukemia. And with Alzheimer's, there's two losses. It's when they forget you and when they pass away. And it's a process. So I went through, what, what is she teaching? You know, as an elder, it's like, what is she teaching in this? Because I'd heard of grief recovery. Well, she needed it for some of her own personal issues that she had. And so she, she, she really enjoyed it, um, grew at it, and, uh, and then she said, I want to teach it. And so she got certified, and now she's been doing it for a number of years. She just finished three different sessions with three different major groups. And uh, she's very good at and seeing people, you know, and, and I'm invited to, to come as well because I've been part of that, and so I can help her and I can help the people who, because there's a, there's a process that works. And I, and I say this because um, I, I do want to give you an update also to uh, Mike and Libby. Uh, we, we've uh, reached out to them uh, four months ago, and uh, we've been having a great relationship with them uh, on an ongoing basis. Uh, they're going through grief recovery as well. I asked Mike if it was okay to share that, which is proper to ask permission. And uh, he said, yes, he trusts me, and, and I trust him. And so they're, they're doing well, uh, but we need to be praying for them, okay? They're going through a tough time. And so anytime uh, anybody's going through a tough time, we want to pray for them. And that's what it is all about, okay? And that's what we're going to see here after this as well. So I did want to give you a quick update. But, but seeing Sandy use her talents is incredible. Um, and then she also does weddings, and she also does costumes, and she's multi-talented, and she can play the flute. And I'll tell you one quick story here. Uh, I'll tell you one quick story here. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Mexico. Uh, we did a mission trip down there into Mexico, into Mexico City. And so I went with... Uh, John Mantle, John and Nancy Mantle, and Javier and Kelly Amaya, and then Sandy and I. We had about, I don't know, 30, 40 people there, and we took our suitcases, and we were giving the clothes away to the orphanage, and, and they had it all organized, and we land at the airport, and John and Nancy go that way, and Javier and Kelly go that way, and then I've got a group, and I'm like, what? I didn't know I was going to have a group in Mexico City. I was like, And so, anyways, long story short, I got to preach the, that morning. And uh, we flew all night. Amanda was talking to me. I didn't get any sleep. But anyways, we get to the church in Mexico City. And um, we get there, and I'm nervous. I don't normally sit in the front. I usually sit in the back. And so I'm sitting up front of here, and then, and then uh, uh, I'm saying, who's going to be interpreting and looking at my notes and all this stuff? And stuff. You know, it's not natural for me to get up here, okay? I'll just tell you, it's the Holy Spirit. So anyways, I'm in Mexico City, up front, sitting there ready to go. Sandy's going to play her flute for the communion part. And she does her flute, and I start crying. I'm not a big crier, but it got me, because here's another miracle. She had prayed, and her kingdom dream was to play her flute for church, for a third world country. And it was happening right in front of me. I was so worried about this and this and this and this and this and this, and bam, it hit me. A kingdom dream being answered, a prayer being answered in front of me. i got to get it together and then get up there and then speak to, you know, 500 people, and, you know, in English that were going to be interpreted in Spanish. But it was incredible. They loved it, and, uh, and, and the whole week was uh, incredible. To be used by God is incredible. 
Okay, and that's what this is all about. So me coming here, going to San Diego and coming here and coming this and all this stuff, that, you know, Satan didn't want me to be here. And so if this message impacts one person, it's, it's great. It's worth it. But if, it impact, if one point impacts everybody, then that's God gets the glory. And if everybody gets a couple, God gets a lot more glory, not me. Okay, you can remember me as a young elder. How's that? So here in the first scripture, and this is really, it's about conflict resolution. It's about resolving conflict. I I told you I'm going through two myself, so I'm going to tell you what's going on right now as we speak. Is any among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Anyone among you sick? Nope, that's the wrong one. That's what we're going to do here in a few minutes. Here we go. Conflict resolution. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you. To live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And the first sentence, I could just repeat that for the next 30 minutes. We could memorize it, put it on our hearts, and I would be fulfilled of of giving you the scriptures of what God is telling us and Paul is telling us to to really imitate. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. People have mistaken me for John and and Sandy as Nancy Mantle. Now, I'm 6'2", and he's not. And, uh, And so... And so John and Nancy are incredible. They discipled us. They helped us raise us up and, and helped me become an elder and, and great friends. I, I love them all to death. And so when somebody says that, it's an honor. And so I say, I'm not John. I'm not John Mantle. But I want to imitate the things that he does because he's a Christian, as Paul says, to imitate those things that, he, that we should be imitating. So we've all been called to our own calling. I can't sing a lick except for a happy birthday. But you all have, we all have a calling that God has called you to be. What is that? You pray about it. You talk about it. Get with others. And you, you, you feed that. And my support is to help Sandy do what she can do. She can't run my pace. But I can help her in the areas that she, she does. I can carry her book. She had back surgery. I can be there for the food when she does a celebration, when they, they, they finish their, their grief recovery classes and celebrate. I can explain what I've gone through uh, on the grief process as well. And, and, I'll, and all I'll say about that is, is that our grandmothers used to say, if you lost your dog, Fluffy, or your cat, you know, Fluffy, that grandmother would just get you a new cat or dog. And nobody's going to criticize grandma because everyone loves grandma, but that's not the best approach. It doesn't take away the hurt. It doesn't resolve the hurt. It doesn't help the healing for the grief that you've lost the first animal or anything else way bigger. And, And animals definitely affect us. And so the grief process helps us through that. And so... Knowing that, here it is, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So if you don't feel unified with your husband and wife or your 
friend or your brother and sister or your brother and sister or your schoolmate or anybody else, if you're feeling a divide, you've got to test the spirit. Where is that spirit coming from? Is it from God or is it from Satan? Okay? You test the spirit. And if it's not bringing unity, it's probably not from God. And so you've got to test your own heart. Okay? There's a lot of things about praying for your enemy, which is probably one of the hardest things for some of us to do, as well as pray for others that are harder to love. But in communication, how do we communicate? Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. This is repentance, okay? So he's calling the thief to stop stealing and then see what else he says here. Steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that it may have something to share with those in need. So stop sinning and then go do something useful. Go get a job. Go pay taxes. Go give to the poor. Go be a good citizen. So sometimes we get it right by calling our brothers and sisters to stop sinning. What is the sin? Define the sin and call them to stop. And then the next is, what's the opposite of that? Well, if you're angry, then go be joyful. If you're prideful, then be humble. So there's a second step that we don't usually emphasize and teach on, and there's usually multiple, multiple sins. I've never found somebody with just one sin. And so you've got to get to all of them and let them understand what that is, to call them to repent and let them study it out and then turn opposite of each one of those. And more teaching and training is required. You don't just get it, okay? You've got to teach and train. And there are going to be stumbles and you've got to be there. You know, if any of you have kids and they st- fall and stumble and they got a skinned knee, okay, you pick them up, you wipe it off, and you put a Band-Aid on there, right? And they go get back on the horse and get on the bike and do it again, you know, and just don't fall this time. we got to be there. we got to be parents, okay? But it says to be patient. It says how to do that. And so it, says, it goes on. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, I talk to Sandy a lot during the day. I, I check in with her and just to see how things are going. When I come home, I see how she's doing as well. She had back surgery. And so she's, she, when somebody's had back surgery and she says her back hurts, it's a lot different than just being old like me and your back is tired and, and hurting, right? And so i got to make sure how she's doing because she also gets a lot of different phone calls and a lot of different stresses. And so I want to see how she is doing. So in the morning, she could be doing great. But she might have got a phone call that might not be doing great, and so i got to see how she's doing. Checking in is always good. When I see people, I usually don't say, how are you doing? I usually say, it's good to see you. Because if I ask you how you're doing, I do want to know how you're doing. And so i got to make sure I have time to see how you're doing. Because I will sit in the back, and I'll see certain people, and I will... Say hello to as many as I can, but I'll also will try to see the people who I want to set up appointments with to see how they're doing. Maybe I had an appointment during the week, and I want to see how they're doing that day and if they followed up on some of the homework. So I have a strategic, you know, agenda <laughs> as well as fellowship and listening to the worship and getting spiritually fed. But I am working, you know, my, my role as well. But anyways, so this is how is somebody doing? And when you ask that question, guys, be patient. 
because your wife might tell you a little thing. I went through a stop sign today. Okay. And then it might be something bigger. I got a citation. Because you didn't overreact with the first one of saying, I went through a stop sign. If you overreact with it, oh my gosh, you went through a stop sign, you could have died, you could have, and you just blow her away, you think she's going to tell you she got a ticket? No. Let me tell you, no. And maybe there was something else. Maybe the car got towed. And so if you listen, how are you feeling about it? Well, they towed the car. I thought you were going to be upset. Well, we can replace the car. I'm glad you're okay. And you just didn't see the stop sign or, you know, what happened? I'm not judging her. I'm not putting her down. I'm finding out how she's feeling about it. And I got to listen. Because she didn't want to be fixed right now. Okay, guys? She doesn't want to be fixed. She just wants to express and feel safe about saying what she needs to say. So any conversation. So if you're at work, you want to treat that as well. If you're with brothers and sisters, you want to do that as well. If you're teaching kids kingdom, you want to do that as well. I mean, these are practicals that are biblical, okay? And it makes sense. And so it usually is about the third time they get to something a little more meaty, a little more in-depth. And we as guys need to have patience about listening to that and making sure that there's an environment uh, of wanting to express and not being feeling judged or being, you know, uh, corrected for, for that. She, she already probably feels a lot more than, than, um, than she expresses, okay? And so this is how we want to speak to one another. And I also said not to go to bed at night. Many years ago, many, more, many of the marriage retreats a long time before that, we used to put it in practice. Now, my mistake was trying to get it resolved at 10, 11 o'clock at night because I had to get up really early in the morning, and so I should have started earlier. <laughs> but I still put it into practice, and we got resolved, and, um, and, uh, and, and things worked out much better when we got resolved, I'll tell you that. And so here it goes on. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you and me. So I say that because I'm going through some stuff right now, too. One is my brother just sent me a registered mail that says that he owes Fourteen thousand dollars in taxes or some darn thing, because our uncle passed away in 2015, and then we got a reimbursement, and so he then cut a check to the four brothers, and so uh, he's now asking for money back because he didn't do it according to the IRS 1044A or whatever it is. I just emailed it to my tax guy because I don't, I don't, I kind of understand it, but I don't know what we can do. But anyways, and so there's a conflict going on. My other brother up north. He's ready to lay into him like, what? And I'm like, well, let's not jump to conclusions. I don't think that it was malice here. I think he just didn't know what he was doing, you know, personally. But anyways, so there's a conflict. And it has to do with money. And it has to do with brothers. And it has to do with family. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it could go through the roof. And my brothers are very a lot more vocal than I am, okay? And so anyways, we're going through that. And so we go through stuff. And so we've got to pray about it. Hey, who, what am I going to do? I called a buddy of mine 
down in, in, in Orange County who knows about inheritance and, you know, tax laws, and he gave me some input, and so that's why I sent it to my CPA, right, or my tax guy. So he gave me good advice. I'm not going to overreact. I'm going to try to look into it. The other situation was a lot more personal. Think about more personal than your brother and thousands of dollars. But um, I started a new job about a year ago, and uh, I got a phone call from a customer who I used to do business with uh, in another, uh, the other company. And he calls me, and he goes, hey, Joe, I just was at a vendor, another, another repair shop, and this guy came up to me, and he said, uh, where was I buying uh, Hyundai trailers? I used to sell Hyundai trailers to him. And uh, he said, oh, from Joe Newfield up north. Um, and so this kid, nothing against kids, okay, but this kid came back and said, oh, yeah, that Joe Newfield, he's over at Sunsray. That's where I work right now, Sunsray. Um, yeah, they're going to let him go in two weeks. And so my customer, not knowing this kid, not knowing who he, who he is and why he would even say something like that. And so the guy goes, well, do you know him? He goes, and so he goes, no, 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 not really. So as soon as he leaves, he calls me and he says, Joe, this is what just happened. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Why would that guy, I don't even know who the guy was, say something like that? And so I call my friend, the guy that I got taxed, he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, and I call him and he goes, he goes, yo, you go over and talk to the president right now, and you do this. And you, I mean, he got excited, you know. And you go back to that, that vendor, and you tell that vendor, you know. I'm like, man, I'm out here in Moreno Valley, and I'm getting on a plane tomorrow at 6 o'clock to be in Sacramento. The next time I'll be in Torrance is where my corporate office is. It's going to be next Monday, so I can't do anything. I'm not going to do this on the phone. So I, he goes, okay, well, go talk to him on Monday. So that week, I'm praying and fasting. Because I just got personally attacked by somebody I don't even know. So I called another guy who I know in the business, and he goes, oh, yeah, that's the son of the owner of that vendor. And I know the, the, the father. I know that guy. And he's not a very good character person. I personally know that. And so all that's going through my head, I'm like, what is going on? So I have a week now of praying and fasting. <laughs> and, you know, so I let a few people know, and they were praying and fasting for me, too. And um, so I go finally, uh, oh, so I go on Monday, and I go there, and um, the owner, who I answer to, the president, is on vacation. So I pray and fast for another week. <laughs> so the next Monday, we have our Monday meeting, and as soon as the meeting's over, I go back upstairs, and... Uh, and I sit down with him, and I tell him the story, and I said, you know, I tell him just like that, and I said, I, I, I know you. If there was an issue, you would, you would definitely be, you know, on me. He goes, oh, yeah, I would definitely be on you. There's, there's no issue. And, and, he, and I go, he goes, who's the kid? And I go, it's the son of the father. And he goes, oh, yeah, that guy's not very, he's, he, and he said something derogatory about that guy. <laughs> so the, the owner of the vendor has a bad reputation that even the president knew, and so it was like gone. There was nothing about me. Nothing. It was a rumor. It was slander. It was gossip. And so any teens or college students in the house, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, I had to correct the teens in the campus in our region because something happened in our region and rumors and gossip spread like wildfires. And I was ticked in a way that we need to correct that. And I can't go run down all the teens. And then it got into the campus because they talk. 
And then it got to the staff. And so I talked to Dave Moss, our other elder, and, uh, and I said, I need to address the midweek. So I pulled up scriptures about gossip and slander, which is ungodly. It's a sin. It needs to stop. And personally, I corrected the staff separately that they should not spread rumors or gossip. And for the staff and for leaders, people in leaders' meetings, we say don't share the name of anybody. If you want to get input, come talk to Sandy or me or Dave and Shirley, and we'll give you input. And normally we don't need to know who the person is, but if we do need to know the person, it isn't because we're going to spread that with anybody else. It's only to give specific direction. We're not going to spread. It's confidential. Sin is confidential. You don't tell somebody, oh, did you know that so-and-so did something? So you, the teens in the campus in here, are getting corrected right now. Just do not spread rumors and gossip. And so if somebody comes up and tells me, hey, did you hear about this? I'm like, don't, don't tell me that because that's a rumor or a gossip. And that's what happened to me. I had to be spiritual about it, not to go back to that kid who I now know who he is. I don't know who he is, but I mean, I, I know his name. And not, not retaliate, but it's slander. And not to go back to the boss and, you know, the, the other vendor and say anything. I let it go. But that's a conflict. And Satan wants to use that. So in the church, we, we, we use that as saying, oh, I'm trying to get input. I'm trying to get help. I'm trying to... It's like, well, if you're going to get help, then it is not a, to spread it. If somebody comes and confesses something to you, you help that person scripturally. And if you don't know how to do it, then you say, go talk to somebody who can. And I'm going to follow up with you on Sunday to make sure that you did go talk to so-and-so. That's your brother's keeper. So on Sunday, hey, did you get the chance to talk to so-and-so? Yep, I did. Great. How'd it go? Now, I'm, I care about him because he had enough to tell me. But I'm not spreading it. And so then when I hear about it, I'm going to say, hey, who, who else knows about this? Oh, is he your disciple partner? He's, yeah, you guys have been praying? Well, you mind if he comes? Okay, because he's already shared it with him, so I'm not. And then we'll, we'll help him. And we'll help the one who has sinned, and we'll help the one who is trying to help him, and he's going to learn from that as well. You see how that's done? So that slander and gossip should never happen. It needs to stop. So if somebody tells you something, make it stop. And say, don't tell me. And don't tell somebody else. If your brother's keeper, then you go tell him to go get help, and you make sure he goes and gets help with somebody that can help him. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. I, I don't mean to get too heavy here. So, Okay, so we're in a spiritual battle, okay? Um, Scott, you called me uh, warm. I am warm. It's about 108 outside right now. I'm getting hotter in here as well, uh, but uh, I, I'll, I'll try to go as fast as I can here. But you guys enjoying so far? Okay? Okay. So here, one of my favorite scriptures. Um, if you'd asked me what song to, to sing, I would have said, Hard Fighting Soldier. Not because it's the greatest tune, but it reminds me that I'm in a spiritual battle. I feel it. When my kids were growing up, they had a, they had a bullseye on their back. Okay? And we call the class that Scott and, and, and guys are coming to, it's really the shepherds in training class. We don't call it an elders in training class for protection 
of our family members so that not to have a bullseye on their back because we want them to be better shepherds. If they are raised up to be an elder, that's awesome. If they're not raised up to be an elder, that's still awesome because they're going to be better trained as shepherds. And so we, we try to lower the, the expectations but also do the teaching and the training. Does that make sense? So we call it a shepherds in training for the, for the L.A. church. And so here in Ephesians 6.10, which is my, one of my favorite scriptures, and you notice I've used a couple times Ephesians, and that's my, one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. It says, put on the, full, uh, put on the full armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when your day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit of all occasions and all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray also for me. My brother's calling me. My other brother's calling me. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so here Paul is given us really... If I could only take one scripture into prison, if I was put into chains and whatever, it would be this scripture right here. And I would read it and 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 remind myself to do this every day. Because we are attacked every day. I feel the, the spiritual battle. I know you do too. And we have to go into our word every single day. We, it's like getting dressed, like brushing our teeth, whatever. Um, you know, putting sunscreen on. I put sunscreen on every single day because I have had skin cancer. My parents have had skin cancer. My brothers have had skin cancer. I wear a hat every place I go. Why do I do that? I was a, because I was not very smart when I was a kid, being a lifeguard, sitting outside getting fried all the time with the sun. And that cancer, skin cancer, is going to come back. The dermatologist said it's going to come back. And Sandy's had skin cancer removed probably 11 times. Okay? So it's serious. It's serious in our family. So what can I do? What can I I can't go back 50 or you know 40 years ago and change my life, but what can I do today? I can put sunscreen on. I can put a hat on. So my repentance is not going back in time. It's to do something today that is healthy and good. So what can you do that's good and healthy that you used to not do way back then? Because we're still Christians, right? We're still growing, right? We're still, you know, in the battle, right? And so we need more, not less, to continue to go. Not do more. I can't do more than I was doing 10 years ago. I need to help others and raise others up instead of me doing more and raising others up. So if somebody out of this group raises up and they are preaching and they're inspired to become an elder uh, because a knucklehead like me, you know, God used a knucklehead like me to be an elder, which I think is funny because I didn't know the first book of the Bible. I didn't know the last book of the Bible. Sandy didn't think I even believed in God when, before we got married. Okay? And here he raises me up to be an elder. God has a sense of humor. I know that. Okay? 
And I say that with all sincerity, but I say that with tongue in cheek. It's like, okay, if that's my position to do, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the best I can, okay? And, uh, and, and that's, all, that's all I can say. I'm going to do the best I can. And so here, let's, let's close out here. Um, we talked about conflict resolution. And Sandy does a great presentation about it, and it gets into the heart of, of human needs. And so that's why I read those scriptures. Because each of us have a, an opinion and an attitude and just, you know, basic human needs. And it sometimes is not on the same page. And so because, because your importance is not the same as your importance, but you still want to be able to explain that. And so when you come and you sit in front of us, we're going to make sure that you both get the same equal time to share what you want to do and to find out what your human basic needs are and express that in a safe environment. Remember I talked about a safe environment, husbands? You can make that environment in your household with your family Make it a safe environment, okay? So here in, um, uh, I'll just start it. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, I plead with Udea and I plead with Cynthia to be the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the course of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of the co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, they thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whenever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. This is Paul speaking in, in Philippians 4, 1 through 9. And so I read that because here, how would you like to be called out in God's Bible? Joe and Sandy Newfield had an argument last night, and we want, you know, John and Nancy and Dave and Shirley to come over there and fix them. Man, I made the Bible. <laughs> right? No, it's like, oh my gosh, they got called out. The sisters got called out. But Paul was saying, go help them, and I know it will work out. That's awesome. And that's what we've got to have, that kind of faith. It's going to work out. Brothers and sisters, be patient. Be, be pure. Be righteous. Get to, get to the heart of the matter. And then he says these things to to uh, put into practice. So if you can remember two things, or maybe three things. I'm the younger elder. No, I'm just kidding. Read your Bible and pray every day. If you can do it with one another, that's awesome. Okay? It's awesome. But for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. When I missed a quiet time one time, George Violante, he looked up and he goes, are you more concerned about your record or that you missed a day with the Lord. I was sitting at Denny's. He was in the corner booth. And when he said that, it cut my heart. This is 20 years ago. It was like, wow. I probably was more concerned about my record of reading my Bible and praying every day and saying, I read my Bible for 900 days or whatever. 
is I missed, I missed a time with the Lord. The Lord who saved me from a lot, a lot, a lot. If you know our story, I have sinned a lot. I've been forgiven. And one of the things, too, that we try to help others is the forgiveness of one another. And that's what conflict resolution is, forgiving one another. And then asking for forgiveness, okay? And sometimes it's forgiving yourself. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. And the people who I've helped Sandy's groups with is when I find out that they haven't forgiven themselves with things that happened years ago, years ago. Okay, growing up, decisions that they made, that they can never forgive themselves. And so God wants us to forgive ourselves, but others as well. And so here, the peace of God. You want the peace. Coming over the hill, I thought I was going to be late. The GPS told me an hour and 15 minutes more after I came down the hill. I'm like, what is going on? I was grateful that the phone didn't shut down, but um, it was like, what is going on? We got to have peace. And that's what God wants. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Forgive. Also, think about the good things that, that God has provided here. Think about those good things. Say those good things to one another. And that's what we say is put it into practice. If you do it for 21 days, that starts a habit. Okay? It starts a habit. So if you think about them and then you start saying them, not to get it back, not to say, oh, hey, Sandy, you look great today. What about me? No, no. You do it because it's the right thing to do. Okay? You do it because it's the right thing to do. And here I'll leave you with this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Thank you, church.